I'm Bay, and you're listening to Bay Baltimore, a weekly pop culture and society podcast recorded in a quiet neighborhood in Baltimore. This episode, I finally broke down and watched another black rom-com, so I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about The weekend. Okay, so let me just jump right into it, like maybe a few hours, a few hours after I released last week's episode, um, which by the way, thank y'all for those of you who rated me favorably, um, gave me a favorable rating and thank you to the one person that gave me a one star. Um, thank you for your opinion. Appreciate you. Um, whatever. Keep sharing or don't, whatever. But thank you anyway for engaging um, with the rating system and, and, and sharing. I really do appreciate y'all for real. Because um, again, you're helping me ex- um, spread the reach of this show. And again, this is a hobby that I do, but I do enjoy doing it. Um, so yeah, if you're, if you and, re- you know, if the topic is interesting to you, or, you know, something that you are thinking about, something that, um, you know, somebody that you know would be interested in, just hearing or if it's just something you put on while you're doing a task I appreciate you for sharing I appreciate you for listening I appreciate you for creating for having my voice be the noise in the background as you go on about your day um so I appreciate you anyway um but hours after I released um last week's episode the incident of uh I learned like so much so much happened regarding Meg Thee Stallion and Tory Lanez um and that incident that happened that what that Sunday um it was bonkers and it did not end where I thought it was going to end and it stoked in me some questions that or some observations that um I don't really it's like I, I it's been implied over these years that I think I've talked about in, in, um, some of these episodes when related to relationships and wanting to protect someone who's not necessarily protecting you. Um, especially when they've harmed you and you want to protect them, this desire to do that. I don't know that I've ever directly had that conversation, but, um, I'll tell you what I mean. And I, you should know this at this point, um, because I'm pretty late on a lot of things, even though, um, black Twitter keeps me humble, keeps me up to date. I'm still kind of on the late side, but I'm definitely faster. I'm definitely more in the know than folks that stay on Facebook. Facebook gets things like a week later. Anyway, so hours after I released last week's episode, I go on Twitter and somebody had retweeted a post, an IG post that Meg had done um, earlier that either earlier that morning or late or late the night before. Um, And she posted it to address number one, the rumors that were swirling around what actually happened um, to her to address those rumors, to talk directly about the situation without directly naming who was involved other than herself. Um, And then to also shine a light on just how mistreated she felt in the moment and generally speaking, advocate for black women and black women's treatment, or at the very least, shine a spotlight on our wellness and our um, well-being. 
And so the statement was like maybe a few sentences and it was basically she, you know, she had to dispel the rumor that was swirling around, which was the thing that I repeated. And I'm ashamed that I repeated it on this episode uh, or on, on last week's episode. But I did where Tory Lanez was arrested and allegedly she was in the car and she was arrested, too, um, on gun charges. Um, and I don't think I actually said in the, the rumor that I repeated I didn't say that she was arrested too. I just heard that um, she was in the car. Like the, the headline that I had read and then the story that I had read, the headline was very well crafted. It was Tory Lanez was arrested on gun charges. Meg was in the car. Not necessarily that Meg was arrested, but she was in the car when Tory Lanez did get arrested on those gun charges. And so right off the bat, she says, I just want to dispel some rumors. I was never arrested on any gun charges. I was never, no, no, no. She didn't even say that. She was like, I was never arrested. I was shot. And the person that shot me intended to cause me harm. Um, the police actually took me to the hospital. And I, I don't know how exactly she got to, I can't remember exactly how she got to black women are so disrespected and, and so mistreated. Um, but her, she essentially got there by saying, you know, I guess I, the sentiment behind why she said that last piece about black women being mistreated is because, so apparently there were a lot, there were two things happening. So there was this, these rumors that were swirling around that she got arrested on gun charges. And then there were rumors that said, uh, that there were not even rumors there were jokes that were happening terrible jokes tasteless jokes that were being shared about what actually happened so her being shot and so you know people making terrible jokes about that um and she didn't find that funny and nor would it nor should anybody find someone being shot as funny because she wasn't just shot the once she was shot multiple times i think the most serious of her injuries was a foot injury uh, the foot, the foot wound, but she was shot more than once. Um, and in, by in her, but in her own words, she was shot more than once by someone who intended to shoot her. Um, and from that statement, like that was it, that was her only statement. And then I had Twitter friends, um, and people who I know in real life who are also my Twitter, Twitter friends. Oh, excuse me. I keep yawning. It's because I'm laying down, y'all. Anyway, um, that's why I probably I probably sound different. And I kept yawning in last week's episode. It's because um, I ended up laying down because I'm recording at a stupid early time in the morning. Anyway, um, so anyway, um, so I have a lot of Twitter friends who I know in real life and, and not in real life and only through Twitter. Um, but sometimes, and they're really cool, like they're really cool. And so they're so cool that sometimes they talk around the situation and that's, this is not what makes them cool. It's just, they're cool for different reasons, um, to me for different reasons. But anyway, they'll do this thing where they will talk around a situation and it's up to you to catch the context clues. And I'm just like, why can't you just directly talk about the situation? Like, just say it straight out. And I recognize there's liability reasons why some people don't say things straight out because they're smart um because we live in a litigious society and if you repeat a thing without putting any disclaimers um you can mess around and get hemmed up 
legally anyway so but like sometimes I I feel like they just be doing this on purpose like like sometimes they take it a bit far and so anyway one of my friends in response to her to Meg Thee Stallion's uh, IG statement anyway was to say you know something to the effect what does she say she said something to the effect of see black women be protected and the people around them all the, the men she said black women be protecting black men all the time and black men do not do the same and this was coming off the heels of Talib Kweli still attacking that that random woman for the one who where he wretched into her just just jumped slid skydived right into her mentions and she never mentioned him not once remember I, I talked about this last week anyway um but yeah he had still been trolling her and and doxing her and all of this stuff having some of his friends dox her on all of this stuff and nobody none of his influential friends his quote-unquote black woke friends well not you can't black woke woke friends um were saying anything publicly against him to get him to calm himself and to get off twitter nobody was taking his phone um not even his wife nobody took his phone um and so anyway if people were saying things behind the scene i couldn't tell because he was still at it almost a week later anyway so it was in the midst of him still talking about that that woman and him being Talib Kweli um and then Meg's statement happened you know the thing with Meg happened um and then so my friend was talking about Talib Kweli and then in reference to that situation she makes another tweet and she says you know see it's it's, this is the reason why I go so hard against some black black men not even some black men because they expect so much from us and we can't even we get the very least of them the very least and oftentimes were victims um was her point um and i was like where does this come from and at, at first i was thinking it was related to talib Kweli, but i was like let me dig a little bit deeper so i did my you know my slew thing i i um somehow or another i fell down a rabbit hole and it really didn't take me any super long it took me like five minutes to go down the rabbit hole but i fell down the rabbit hole of Meg the Stallion fans, which the show Freeish, I listen to Freeish, and if you aren't listening, you should. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Um, free, and then I S H is at the end of it, and the title is Freeish. Anyway, you should listen. Um, so I was listening to Freeish, and Freeish was talking about the situation, and they said that her fan base is called the Hotties, or at least that's what they call them. So anyway, apparently the the folks that I was reading um the the you know the Twitter threads that I was reading were a bunch of Meg the Stallion fans or, or hotties um who were piecing together the events of that day um that led to Meg you know being um taken to the hospital suffering from gunshot wounds plural anyway and so they were able to deduce very quickly so in her statement, Meg said, the police took me to the hospital. I wasn't arrested. The police took me to the hospital, suffering from gun wound, gunshot wounds from someone who intended to harm me. I was harmed by someone who intended to harm me. So they took that 
and they added the fact that Tory Lanez was uh, arrested on gun charges. Initially, they were saying that there was something swirling out that said Tory Lanez was defending Meg Thee Stallion from being shot by someone else who was at a particular party. Now, let me back up. Um, what, what is true is that Meg Thee Stallion and Tory Lanez, who are some sort of item or were some sort of item, um, whatever that meant to them, um, they were coming back either going they were coming back oh excuse me they were coming back from Kylie Jenner's pool party which I still stand behind why in the heck is anybody going to any sort of party party um in a time of a pandemic but whatever um and an altercation that an argument happened um Tory Lanez and Meg Thee Stallion got into an argument and what was said was that Tory Lanez was defending Meg against someone else who meant her harm. What the hotties deduced was that Tory Lanez was the person that meant to do Meg the Stallion harm. They got into an argument and Tory Lanez shot her. And the police came. She, uh, she, they got into an argument. She was trying to get out of his car. He pulled the gun and shot her. Um... Tory Lanez, the police came, Tory Lanez was arrested and booked on gun charges. She was taken to the hospital by the police and treated for her wounds. And then the, the press release comes out, or at least the, the, the IG statement comes out. Um, and in that situation, I was instantly reminded, first off, let me just say, is that, I guess, would there be a reason why you wouldn't say that the person that you were with shot me. But instead, maybe there's a legal reason. Perhaps, perhaps for, let's just use the benefit of the doubt for a moment. Perhaps there's a legal reason why she didn't name the person that shot her. Um, because it's a delicate, it's a tricky situation, you being a celebrity and you outing someone in the midst of an investigation that they did anything to you it's possible that she didn't want to do anything to jeopardize the situation to make it seem as if she was out to get Tory Lanez that she won or to whomever well no not whomever if this is the case it could be that she did not want to jeopardize she was in she was told she was advised not to say his name in a statement. If she wanted to say a thing in the world at all, just say that somebody, I was shot by somebody who intended to shoot me um, and leave it at that because the police have their job to do. Um, and the, the evidence is pretty clear. She was taken to the hospital by the police. Troy Lanez was taken to the jail by the police. And so maybe her, maybe her team um, was like, keep it cute. Let the legal system handle this. We'll, you know, we'll get it together. Um, but then at the same time, Tory Lanez was, was, Tory Lanez was picked up on gun charges, not assault. Weapons charges, not assault. Not assault with a deadly weapon. Weapons charges. And so I, I, I feel like there's still a lot that needs to come out because why didn't she directly say, if, if it was, if the hotties are correct 
and Tory Lanez was the person that assaulted her. Why did he, why, why were the charges that were released gun charges and not assault with a deadly weapon charge um, or assault charges? Why didn't Meg just outright say the person that harmed me was somebody close to me or just outright name him? Because she doesn't, she doesn't strike me as a shrinking violet. There was this, I was reminded of this one time, this one story that maybe it happened a decade ago with her, more than a decade ago, almost, yeah, more than a decade ago with her where she was in a toxic relationship with a man. Uh, uh, not that that mattered, but she was in a toxic relationship. Uh, they were on and again, on again, off again. And anyway, they found themselves um, in legal trouble. And Meg didn't say anything, but... Her boo thing did say something. And as a result, Meg got um, Meg got hemmed up, even though Meg didn't do anything. She didn't want to tell on her boo thing. Um, Her boo thing essentially pinned everything on her. And she said that she learned from that situation that, you know, don't stick your neck out for someone who's not willing to stick their neck out for you. I was young and dumb and foolish and I need to protect myself because folks out here, you know, you need to ride with somebody who's actually going to protect you. Um, same as as you're willing to protect them. So anyway, so I was reminded of that situation, and then feeling just just generally speaking, feeling embarrassed for even repeating the the whole rumor that simply Meg was in the car when Tory Lanez got arrested, and they were going to a party. Now I'd, again, they were probably actually going to like if they were actually going to Kylie Jenner's party, pool party, like. Shame on y'all. It's a middle of a pandemic. How in the world can you expect to not? Anyway, that's whatever. That's foolish behavior. But I can't say that non-stars are not doing foolish things in the middle of a pandemic. We're hearing that all over the country. We got folks right here in Maryland going to Delaware beaches and, and got the nerve to be confused why they're coming back with COVID-19. Symptomatic. Like we got people, we got whole families risking it all to go to Disney World. You know what I mean? Uh, Disney World talking about you can't walk and eat now in public. You can't <laughs> you can't walk and and eat or drink anything um, while you're doing it. Uh, you have to be seated in your in a, in a designated area. And my thing is just like if Disney World ain't but one big old park, and you need to be able to walk and eat and do whatever. Close that down, please. Close it down and close it down real fast. Anyway, people are risking it all and doing dumb things all over the place. So I can't exactly point my finger at some celebrities who are going to a pool party when we got regular Joe Blow who's going to a pool party too. Some Joe Blow 18-year-old, 20-year-old, 30-year-old going to a pool party too. Uh, 40-year-old going to a pool party too. So anyway... I won't begrudge them that, even though I was super judgmental last week. It is what it is. I won't begrudge them that. We just all need to be safe, wear a mask, wash our hands, keep distance, such, such as that. Um, anyway, but to the situation, I just have more questions than I have answers. And I'm not 100% sure that we're going to get those answers. I know that Black Twitter is all up in arms because some people are still saying that Tory Lanez was defending... Meg Thee Stallion. Another segment of Black Twitter is saying Meg Thee Stallion was a victim of Tory Lanez. Um, a whole other segment of Black Twitter is kind of in a weird way 
shaming Meg for not outing Tori. Something to that effect. And then there's a still another segment, which is where I belong, where we just outpouring of sympathy and support for Meg. Because I don't know where her other wounds were. All I, all I know for sure is that she was shot in the foot. But what, what happened was she was shot multiple times. And I know that that is a very traumatic experience. Being a victim, victimized in any way is a traumatic experience and requires a lot of healing to get over. And what ends up happening is we don't get the healing that we need. And so we just walk around with that trauma and it impacts every aspect of our life because we're not getting the, 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 the treatment that we, that we need to get from that thing, right? So anyway, Black Twitter pointed out to me that two of the people in her corner that had her back the most, especially had her back, the, the person that had her back that she called when she was arrested when her boo thing was not, that over a decade ago, um, was her grandmother. Her grandmother's, you know, grandmother sent her money, grandmother got her out of that situation her grandmother is no longer with her her grandmother passed on her mother passed on um and black twitter was making a thing about it or compassionate black twitter and they were saying you know she really needs some good people good strong people in her corner because these familial connections aren't really there anymore because the two the people closest to her and her family are no longer a living and they were there was this outpouring of oh she just needs support, um, she just needs better support. And again, I just think we're going off of a lot of speculation. And this is me learning from my mistake from last week. We still don't know exactly what happened, other than the fact that Meg The Stallion was shot, and that is terrible. And I wish her a speedy recovery, both physically and spiritually and mentally from that situation. I do want to learn more though. Um, I need to under, I, I, I just have a burning desire to understand what the heck happened in that situation. Who shot her six times? Was it Tory Lanez? If it was Tory Lanez, why was he not put, put, brought up on assault charges? And if he wasn't initially brought up on sh- assault charges, are they going to be coming? Um, And if he wasn't the one that attacked her, he needs to be speaking up and telling who did attack her. Um, Because again, if he was, you know, got caught up because he was trying to defend her. We need to know. We need to know. This needs to, we we need resolution. We need some satisfaction here. Um, Because this is the, this is a bizarre, this is bizarre. Not one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard, but like it's, it took a turn, didn't it? It went from, they were being reckless and, and going to a pool party and somehow or another Tory Lanez just got caught up and now he's got gun charges to Megan Shalini was shot multiple times and who the heck shot her? What the heck happened? Who's out to get Meg? Um, I, I forgot to mention that there was also a tiny segment of trash black Twitter that blamed Meg for being shot. And it's like, what? But, but we don't listen to them because they're the fools and they hate themselves, I think. Because um, you don't need that's just not relegated to black Twitter. There's a whole segment of human beings who blame people for being victims. Which is, is a deeper reflection 
of how much, how little they see about them, how little they value themselves more than it is about the person they're talking about. So we just going to leave that there. Nevertheless, it's still unnerving when you hear stuff like that. A victim deserved to be a victim because they put themselves in place to be a victim. None of that makes sense. And you need to start reading more and you need therapy. Um, anyhow. Um, yeah, so I was just like, I was totally prepared to just go, you know, talk about toxic relationships and, and things like that as it relates to this Meg situation. But I don't think we know enough right now to understand what the heck happened. Um, and again, maybe she's being smart. Maybe she's being advised not to say too much because it's an active active investigation. And I hear that. I understand that. Um, so I'm just eager to learn more about what the heck happened to her. But anyway, so while I was, you know, putting those pieces together, mind being blown by that situation, um, my same friends on, um, on Twitter, in the midst of all of that, pointed out a black movie that um, I don't know if it got a theatrical release. I don't know if it was just not distributed right by the distributor um, or what, but I was told about this black rom-com that apparently everybody is talking about, or at least everybody in black Twitter are talking about at least my segment of black Twitter are talking about, um, over the last week, over the weekend, for sure, over the weekend. Um, and that, you know, you just really needed to see it. You really needed to give it a chance. And I have talked before on this show about romantic comedies and them not being my thing, largely because I don't like rom-coms. I think they're kind of corny and they're not like even the ones like a lot of the popular rom-coms that don't include a lot of black folks or the black folks are some sort of vehicle for enlightenment for a white character. And I'm not here for it. Um, you know, it's just or it's just like super corny. You know what I mean? So like I didn't see the the, the was it the picture, the letter, the picture with um, Issa Rae and what's that boy's name? That weird boy with well, that weird man. Oh, what's his name? The one in uh, the one of the stars in Sorry to Bother You. He played in Atlanta. He played a weird guy in Atlanta. A weird character in the, the show, the TV show Atlanta. I can't call it. But anyway, that I didn't see that because I was like, oh, don't do rom-coms. Don't do I don't do rom-com. I don't do romance. Like I do romance novels. I love those things. It's corny as all get out. I do those. I don't do the movies because I just get bored and I'm just like, blah. Anyway. But people kept saying, you really need to see The weekend. You really need to see The weekend." And then I look at the cast and I'm like, oh, she was an all-black cast. Okay. All right. And it's Shazia Samada. Zamada. I keep, I'm messing up her last name. I know I am. But Shazia Samada is in there. So, you know, she's off SNL fame. I know she quit. But, um, you know, maybe it'll be like for real funny. Um, and then plus the dude that played Daniel... Um, is it Yolan? Yolan? Anyway, the dude that played Daniel in Insecure is in this. So he's fine. I would like to see him again. Um, and also Kim Whitney, Whitley, Kim Whitley, um, who's a uh, comedian that I have loved. I've enjoyed listening to from the boondocks. Um, she was a voice character, on, uh, a voice actor on the boondocks. Um, she was in 
Friday after next? Was it Friday? No. What was the Friday? The second Friday. Uh, where was big? Uh, she was bigger unks uh, girlfriend or love interest. Uh, she was funny there. It seemed like every time I see her and think she's like super funny. So she's in it. Um, and also that really pretty. Uh, what's her name? Dewanda Wise. Oh, she's so pretty. Uh, Dewanda Wise from. Um, I don't know what ton of stuff that she's in. The only thing I remember her being in was. Um, was it not Captain America? Not Captain America. The superhero movie. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The superhero movie. I'm going to get it. The superhero movie. Come on. Okay, hold on. Now I got to find it. Come on, Dewanda. Okay, Dewanda Wise. Who played? Come on, give me the movie. 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 She played in. Oh, I'm thinking of a different person. That's why I know her. I'm thinking she was in that superhero movie. She wasn't in that superhero movie. Dewanda Wise is the is from She's Gotta Have It, the the Netflix series that I have a love hate relationship with. She wasn't in. Hold on, let me go to her filmography just to make sure. Hold on, nope. Shoot. Well, who was that? Now I need to know who that black woman was that was in that superhero movie it's, it's not captain america it's remember where the white woman was the superhero and like she was better than captain america like she was better than captain captain america anyway that movie the black woman in there i swore that this was her i don't know why i got her confused but anyway but the wanda wise is really pretty um and so is the woman that was that's in that movie whose name I cannot remember. But anyway, it doesn't matter because I'm not talking about the actress. I'm talking about Zawanda Wise from She's Gotta Have It. Anyway, um, so yeah, so I was like, Yolanda Noel. Yolanda Noel is the dude so uh, that played Daniel in Insecure. So Yolanda Noel, who's fine, is in it. Zawanda Wise, who's also very beautiful, is in it. Um, and And then Kim Whitley, who I always thought was funny, is in it. So I'm like, okay, well, let me give it a try. And here's the thing. I am not a bl- I have not changed my mind in general a black about black rom or, or rom-coms in general black or otherwise I have not changed my mind about rom-coms I still don't like them as a genre but I do like this film and so I'm going to talk about it and there's a very specific reason why I like this film and it's a very very me reason why I like it um but I'll I'll go into it I'll go into why I like it um, the thing that drew me to it in the first place and I'll go into the movie. I will have spoilers for sure, but you should still watch it. Um, I didn't mention this, but I will mention it now. This film is currently available through, um, Amazon prime. I don't know. I, well, I'm sure you can find it in other places, but I know for sure that it's available through Amazon. So anyway, um, in the next segment, I'll just, I'll talk about the particulars, you know, the ratings and things like that. Uh, critics, you know, what critics are saying about it. I will go through the actors one more time and then I'll get into the film itself and definitely why I was drawn to it. All right, so stay tuned. All right, let me just dive right into it. So I've, I've told you that um, 
it stars um, Shazir Zamata, which who is the main character who plays Zadie, um, Yolanda Noel, who played Daniel in Insecure, plays Aubrey, um, Tone Bell, which I don't think I know who he is. Um, maybe I should look him up, but I will later. Anyway, Tone Bell, who plays Bradford, who is Zamata's best friend, but also is her college friend. They've known each other. They've known each other since college, but they're also um, they used to date their their ex um, romantic partners. Dewanda Wise, who plays Margot who is Tone um, Bradford's new girlfriend, um, and actually not even new. Uh, we learned that they've been dating for two years, um, or together for two years. Um, at the start of the movie, they've been together for two years, um, which means that Zadie and Bradford had been broken up for at least two years, probably longer. And then, um, as I mentioned, Kim, Kim Whitley, who plays Karen, which is um, Zadie's mother. So anyway, um, before I get into the details of the, uh, of the movie itself, I guess, so I watched it on, um, Amazon prime because that's what black Twitter told me to do. And I guess I thought it was a recent, um, release, but when I Googled it, so it's kind of weird. So at first, when I Googled The weekend, it says right off the bat, when you Google it, it says 2018 comedy. Then when you look at the particulars, the details, it's like if you go to its wiki, um, it says it was released on September 13th, 2019. So I don't know what's what. But anyway, I'm just going to go with the 2019 date because I don't know no better. Anyway, um, the director and the screenwriter uh, screenplay writer is Stella Maggie. I think it's Maggie. Um, anyway, that's a black woman director. So yay. So we've got a black cast, um, and we got a black director. So that's awesome. Anyway, so of course, that's the reason why I wanted to watch it, obviously, because it was a black class and a black direct cast and a black director. So anyway, um, it's reviews are actually very interesting. You know, that things can go left from one review site to the next. But for the most part, we've got 86% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb, which who's even rating on IMDb? Maybe like actual, maybe like critics, which, you know, depending on who you are, you know, if you value that sort of thing, which many people do, um, you know, you take in that into account, but most people rely on Rotten rotten Tomatoes. Everybody looks at Rotten Tomatoes. Um, And then 63% on Metacritic. And then if you look at Google, again, all of these are subjective. It's dependent on what you, excuse me, it's dependent on what you're into and what you put stock in. But um, 83% of Google users enjoyed the film or or liked it. And like I said, I surely liked it, even though it was a rom-com and it was definitely corny super corny in spots. I liked it for one particular reason and I will get to it anyway. Um, so yeah, so that's the movie. And so, or at least that's the particular. So anyway, but I watched it. Um, I watched it over the weekend. Um, and 
the the hour 26 actually flew by um and I, I don't know if it was because i was spending a lot of time critiquing zadie herself the character zadie um because zadie is zadie is interesting she's an interesting character and her relationship to the people around her are interesting too and i'll get into it in a minute but anyway the premise of this thing is pretty step is it's darn simple actually um in a nutshell a down on her luck comedian's vacation plans are interrupted by her ex-boyfriend and his new girlfriend so that is the understatement of the century and i'll get to why that is but for the most part the film opens and we meet zadie she's on we meet zadie on stage at a comedy club what appears to be a comedy club and she's obviously a comedian she's telling jokes And her type of humor is kind of dry humor, self-deprecating. Yeah, I don't know what Shazir Zamata's, I don't know what her comedy style is like in real life, but in this, I don't know if it's similar at all, but this character that she's playing is certainly very dry and kind of gives you that, that kind of depressed comedian vibe. Like, um that Daria vibe, do you know what I mean? Like super snarky, um, very dry, laughs at themselves, laughs at other people more. Um, But then also sprinkles in like, in their jokes, it's like real life, I'm actually pretty sad and let's tell a joke about how sad I am sort of thing. Which I don't, like I think I'm too busy listening behind the words to laugh sometimes. So I don't, I don't know. Like, that's not the humor that I sort of... Actually, do I even look at a lot of comedians? I guess I don't... I guess... No, I take that back. I do watch a lot of comedians, but the comedians that I watch and follow tend to be, like, folks who are commentating specifically on other people, not necessarily themselves. If they're commenting on themselves, it's, like, a small part of it, and then they go right back to talking about some world event or something like that, because I don't know, like... Yeah, that's just the type of humor that I'm into. Anyway, so, so yeah, so she's on stage and she's doing her set and she's getting some laughs. And you know what? Sidebar, I can never really tell. Like sometimes I'm listening and if a joke is funny, it's funny to me, right? And I'm listening to the audience reactions a lot and I'm like, I can't tell if this person is bombing. You ever watch Comedy Central? Or wherever you watch stand-up. I know there's a lot of stand-up on um, social media, but have you ever watched stand-up? And you couldn't tell if the person was bombing or not. Like, you thought the joke was funny, but, like, it was, like, chuckles. Not even loud chuckles, like, (laughs) in the audience. It's so weird sometimes because it's like, well, I thought that was pretty funny, but, like, nobody's in the audience laughing like that. And... You know, sometimes I'm thinking, is it, is it like an audio issue? Like where I really can't hear folks who are like cracking up. But anyway, I just, it's funny. It's funny sometimes to um, look at some of those YouTube shows or just comedy specials. And it's like, you don't really hear people laughing, but you think it's hilarious or you, you know, you're tickled. Um, but, but anyway, so I could never, my, I guess my point with this whole thing is I couldn't, it was like small chuckles, so I couldn't really tell. I couldn't really tell if she was like, this was her crowd, or like she just really wasn't funny. 
because again, the type of jokes that she was telling wasn't really my thing. Um, cause they were very self-deprecating and I was kind of reading into like what she was, I, I was analyzing basically. And I'm, and again, I'm no parts of an analyst. I'd have no training whatsoever in mental health, except to share resources and except to direct folks, connect people, um, to peer related resources that might be helpful, but I am not a clinician in any way, but nevertheless, that does not stop me from being an armchair analyst saying, Ooh, what's the underlying there? So anyway, I was too busy, like analyzing, okay, where's this going? This character, this is a setup. Where's it going? So anyway, but I couldn't tell if she was like funny, but people were laughing. People were like chuckling, you know? So anyway, so she does that. And then immediately we go into, she meets up with her friend, um, whose name I forgot now, Bradford. Um, so she meets up with Bradford already. And it's clear they're hooking up. It was his, and by hooking up, I mean, they're getting together. Um, cause they're about to go on a trip for the weekend. And in this initial get together, it's pretty clear that they've had a history together. It's pretty clear that they're friends. Um, what I should have said was in the jokes that Zadie was, um, telling in that first, that opening scene, she tells a story about, um, how she, and you know how sometimes comedians are like, they tell stories, but it's not actually real life. So in this story, I'm, I'm, she's, she's telling, she's like, yeah, I broke up with my, um, like, well, basically her, the whole premise was like, she was having a hard time with a breakup, even though she'd broken up with the person two years ago. Um, and that she, it w- wasn't necessarily her idea, but she's still friends with her ex. Um, and she was basically saying how, how trifling that is, how pathetic do you have to be that person breaks up with you and then they immediately want to be friends with you. Um, like that's pretty low. That's pretty, that's pretty pathetic. And so she's on and on self-deprecating about that situation and not having boundaries with her, um, her ex. So the next scene is her, or the next few scenes are all about her meeting up with, um, Bradford, who they have a relationship. It was his birthday, but she shouldn't, didn't show up to his birthday because she was depressed. She has been depressed. And so you get, you, you know that again, her art was imitating her life in many ways because she is a depressed person or, or not, not a, that was weird. She is, experiences depress, depression and she explains that even Bradford was kind of messing with her um, and kind of fussing with her about her not showing up to his birthday party. And she said, oh, she was um, having it. She was, you know, not feeling well. She was feeling depressed. Um, and then he confronts her and saying, but you were posting on IG X, Y, and Z. So in that moment, we recognize that they're friends and they've been friends since college, but they're not the closest of friends. Um, and that, you know, clearly because you didn't even show up. If you're still in your friend's life since you've, you've been with them since college, you've been friends with them since college, but their birthday comes up and you don't come out and it wasn't because you were like too sick to come out mentally or physically sick to come out, but like you just did not come out. I'm, I'm questioning immediately 
the closeness of your friendship. Nevertheless, you guys are going away on weekends with each other. So I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Um, so anyway, so she didn't show up for the birthday, but she gives him a book anyway. And I think, I cannot remember. It was, um, was it WEBG Boys or was it Langston Hughes? Anyway, it was a book written by one of those men that he cherished very much. Um, and it was, an, it was a signed copy. Um, and it's clear that she paid a lot of money for it. She said she paid a lot of money for it. Um, he acknowledged that, Bradford acknowledged that she indeed paid a ton of money for it. Anyway, so they're, they're, um, he begins to look through it. And then he sees, um, toward the front of the book, he sees a photograph of um, Zadie. And he, you know, like she's hot, she's on his back and they clearly are in a moment where they were enjoying each other. They were having fun. Um, and he physically gets kind of emotional. Like he doesn't cry or anything like that, but he definitely, he's definitely taken aback by the picture. He definitely values the time frame that that represents. He's also appreciative of the gift and the sacrifice that Zadie has, um, given to get him this gift. Um, and in this moment, he's very appreciative and he's reminiscent. And they begin to talk about the past um, because apparently whomever the author was, um, again, Webb Du Bois or W.E.B. Du Bois or um, Langston Hughes, I can't remember which. Anyway, um, in college, he was really, he was a really big fan of this particular author. And so anyway, they begin to reminisce. And in that moment, you know, he looks at that picture and they talk about, you know, they're reminiscing. And then in that moment, seemingly out of nowhere, but then I guess it kind of makes sense if you were close friends, you just kind of share just about everything. And so she says in that moment, yeah, I, that's the night I lost my virginity. And he says, and Bradford says, was that to me? And she says, yeah. And then it's in that moment that you recognize that, oh yeah, they were more, (laughs) they were more than just friends. And so they have an awkward moment. It's very clear that she's awkward. It's, you're, you're, the jury's still out on Bradford. You don't know much about, you haven't seen much about uh, from Bradford. All you've seen of Bradford is this moment. And in this moment, he's very appreciative of her. He's very appreciative. He seems very appreciative of her. He seems very appreciative of the gifts um, that she he gave her. And he is still seems very grateful for the time that they spent together up until this point, right? Um, and and he still very much treasures her as a, a valued friend. Um, and anyway, but the, again, that piece is just a little awkward. And so I'm starting to put the pieces together and I'm like, oh, okay, they were more than friends, but maybe they just, like, I'm still trying to figure out this relationship, still trying to figure out if life is imitating art, or, or excuse me, art is imitating her life. Anyway, so they're tra- traveling, driving, and then Bradford makes a stop and bam, the stop is for whom? Margot, who is um, Bradford's girlfriend. And then <laughs> there's this awkward exchange where Shazir, no, uh, Zadie, Zadie's like, why are we, why are we bringing her? Um, and then you know, Bradford is like, because that's my girlfriend and I love her and she's a part of my life. And of course we would, you know, 
going on this trip. And then Zadie protests about, like, obviously she she puts up a little bit of a fight um, that his girlfriend is there, is, is coming as they get closer to his girlfriend's house. But nevertheless, she's still going. So it's automatically weird. So I'm like, okay. So as you are viewing this thing, it, the, the picture becomes a little bit more clear. So y'all are very close friends. Y'all have a sexual history with each other. Y'all clearly have, or at the very least, Zadie still has feelings for you. It's clear that you were dating seriously. And he's the guy you were talking about um, in your, in your standup and you're going on a weekend trip with your ex and your ex's girlfriend. And to, as if, as if we couldn't be, as if we needed just one more reason to just really get it, just really get, put a fine point on this, um, situation. Margot they, they finally get to Margot's place, or at least where Margot is. And Margot comes in, uh, comes to the car. Zadie is in the front seat. Obviously, she's been sitting in the front seat the entire time as they've been chatting and, and driving and, and, and reconnecting in this moment. She comes to the front door, she, or she comes to the, the passenger door, and she's instantly asked Zadie to get out of the front seat. And let me just stop right there. I enjoy having conversations with women of different age groups, my age group, obviously, younger than me, um, more seasoned than me, just because it's just interesting the viewpoints that different folks have. And I can remember, so my hubby and I, we serve in our church, right? So my hu- my uh, hubby is a, is a trustee, which is, he's the money counter. He, he helps keep the books in order um, for the church. And so the way that our church is set up, there is a committee of folks who do this, who either have a financial background or they just have an appreciation. They have, a, they're, they have an inclination, the skill set that is afford, allows them to be really diligent and really awesome in doing that very tedious work of counting and things like that. And they, all, they have the checks and balance system. That's why there has to be, um, there's a certain amount of folks that are counting at different times and then they're checked and then that person is checked um, because they want to make sure everything is clean. Anyway, so there was one time where my hubby, um, and right now we don't live far from our church, but one of these days we're going to move and then we will live a little bit further away. But anyway, it's probably still within walking distance. But the point is, um, so hubby was, he had walked around the corner um, to go count basically. And he was with the leader of the, our financial committee. Um, we call them trustees. And most, most religious, well, most Christian organization calls them trustees, the folks who handle the money anyway. So the leader of the trustees, um, it was, it was her and it was my hubby and she has been around the block. She has done, she's awesome. I think she's actually in I forgot what her actual profession is, but like she, she does this for a living. Um, anyway, so they were like triple checking the books, um, making sure that things were good for that period of time. And anyway, so they needed to spend a little extra time. So hubby went to the church and she was there and they were counting, 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 counting. 
And so it was getting dark. I think when they were this this particular instance that I'm talking about, um, it had to have been the fall because it was getting dark and and hubby did not want her. They were finishing up and hubby did not want um, her to walk home. She lives maybe 10 blocks from the church, but she's a, you know, seasoned woman. Hubby wasn't having that. So I had, hubby had left his car. I don't know why he left the car at the house. He left his car at the house. Um, and I had come home with my car because I'm lazy and I guess I did drive. Oh, well, it was cold. It was getting cold too. So even though we're only a few blocks from the church, I drove, whatever, I don't care. Anyway, so hubby um, texted me and he was like, can you come, can you come and get us? I want to, um, I want to take miss so-and-so home. I was like, sure, no problem. So I come around and was that how it happened? No, his car, his car was at the church. His car was at the church, but it was dark. And I think I was going back and forth for some reason or the next. I think I was like choir practice or something like that. Anyway, um, somehow or another, I was, I had made it back to the church when they were wrapping up something like that. I was doing some other stuff. And anyway, hubby texts me to say, Hey, I'm about to take miss so-and-so home. You want me to drop you off or you going to walk home first? And I'm like, no, I'll just ride with you. She literally lives up the street. It's nothing. Now my up the street, I use up the street for something that's a mile away and for something that's like literally two blocks away. So my up the street is different anyway. Um, so I was like, no, nah, I'll just ride with y'all. So I, when we, we get ready to leave out the church or no, we get, we leave out the church and we get ready to get in the car. I get in the back seat, or at least I start to get in the back seat. Miss so-and-so instantly says, uh-uh, baby, mm-mm. You, you, the wife, you get up in the front seat. And I'm just like, girl, in my mind, I'm like, but you, Miss Thing, you get in the front seat because I want you to get in the front seat. Okay. And she, she said, no, ma'am, you're getting in the front. I will get in the back. And I said, not in the back. My husband's car is not, he don't. You know, he loves his car and all, but like he a little junky. And so I'm sitting up here, but this Negro has like stuff in the backseat. So I'm pushing stuff over because she's she's the type of woman that you're not going to argue with her. You, you're not you, you're not going to do she's not going to do that back and forth with you. It just is what it is. She's a very sweet woman, a very sweet woman. But she don't do too much back and forth, honestly. Um, and she don't have to. So anyway, I was like, you know what? I'm not I'm not going to do this with you, my dear. Um, I'm getting in the back seat. I'm getting in the front seat because that's what you said. So anyway, um, and as we're, I'm pushing stuff over, cause again, hubby did not, he has hats and stuff, uh, like fitted hats in the back. And I'm just like, and has the nerve to feel away if you crush them. But I'm like, well, don't have your finnids in the back seat where a person could get in. Um, but then again, if you're not riding a bunch of people around, who cares? It's your car. Anyway, so I pushed those over to make space for her. And I made sure that I pulled the seat up and all of that stuff so that she would be comfortable on the ride over. And as I'm doing all of this, she was like, you know, I always learned um, the older women in my life taught me, um, you know, you don't you don't you if you're not his wife, you don't. Um, what she say? Something like you don't you don't try to take no man. You, you don't try to. 
show up the wife or something like that. And I'm just like, girl, you're not going to take my husband. <laughs> so like, it's a seat. But anyway, I guess it, just, it was just interesting in that moment because she was dead serious. Like she was not playing. She was, it was that serious that she thought it was disrespectful for her to sit in the front seat next to my husband instead of me sitting in the front seat. So again, I acquiesced because I, I didn't want, I didn't want no beef with this woman. Um, I simply wanted her to get home safely. Um, so anyway, but I thought that was interesting because she was very serious. So anyway, I'm looking at this situation, flashing back to the movie. And so you have Margot standing outside, um, the passenger seat and she's, uh, and, um, Zadie is sitting in the front seat and she's, first off, she was there first. You know what I mean? She was there first. It's not that big a deal. Bradford is not with Zadie. Bradford is with Margot, but Margot wants to sit up front. So I understand why Margot wanted to sit up front. I also thought it was a little bit shady. And I also thought it was a little bit territorial, like mistaking Margot's claim. Girl, what you doing? Anyway, but nevertheless, Margot wanted to sit up front and Zadie was being a punk about it. And so Margot was trying to talk to her and she was doing that little childish thing where you roll the window down a little bit and then you roll it back up when the person begins to talk. So they go back and forth and do that. And I'm like, okay, Zadie, you childish. Like, yes, I understand that this is a difficult situation for you. Yes, I know you have feelings for Bradford still. And I'm still trying to figure out where Bradford is in all this. And, and it's at this point where I'm looking at Bradford a little funny in the light. Because while I do think that Zadie is being childish, I also think there's something up with Bradford. And then I'm looking at Margot and I'm like, okay, I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to pass judgment on you just yet because right now it's clear you're trying to stake your claim and I'm not mad at you. I think it's a little weak that you doing this over a seat, but at the same time, if you want to sit up front, that's your business. Um, but that Zadie didn't just automatically get up. I just, that was, that was childish. But anyway, so the switch happens and, you know, um, Zadie barely acknowledges Margot in the car over. And of course the car ride over to their final destination, which does it's going to be awkward. You in a car with your ex and your ex's girl and your ex's girlfriend, current girlfriend. Um, and not only current girlfriend, but again, because we know that her art was imitating her life. That was his girlfriend of two years. Y'all had been broke, been broken up. Um, and so you are in this awkward situation where you are going away on for a weekend getaway with your ex and your ex's girlfriend. Still very weird. So awkward conversation, awkward car ride. We're like, okay, well, you're still invested in this movie. You're like, okay, what's going to happen? Let's get to the weekend. So we get to their final destination and not only is it a very cute, quaint little cottage, it's not even little, it's like a decent sized cottage, but we learn that it's Zadie's parents' cottage that they've turned into an Airbnb, like a bed and breakfast sort of thing. And we meet Zadie's mama. So pause right there. You are going on a weekend getaway. It's not bad. It's bad enough that you're going on a weekend getaway with your ex-boyfriend and your, your ex-boyfriend's current girlfriend. But now you're going on that weekend getaway in that awkward third wheel situation to your mama and daddy's bed and breakfast. And your mama is there. 
Ew. That's, that's, what? What? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No. Mm-mm. No. That, that don't make, mm-mm. Like, if y'all happen to be there, that's cool. You know what I mean? But, like, I'm not intentionally going to my mama and daddy's bed and breakfast with y'all, with my ex and my ex's girlfriend, current girlfriend. That's, that's not, that's not, what, whose idea was that? Like, well, I mean, it was Bradford's probably in this moment. It seemed like it was Bradford, Bradford's idea. And Zadie went along with it because she's still in love with Bradford. Like she hasn't gotten over Bradford. And so anyway, and now I'm looking at Margot sideways. Cause I'm like, and, and Margot, you were cool with this. And and it's at this point where I'm making an assumption that Margot was cool with it. We learn later that we learn later a little bit about what Margot was feeling. But in this moment, I'm just like, this is bizarro. And I don't know why you did this. I, I really don't know why you did this, except that you are not going to spend time with Margot and Bradford. You're going to be separate and apart from them. So anyway, um, so we're at the cabin and right off the bat, Bradford is warmly welcomed by Karen, Zadie's mama. Karen says something snarky to Zadie because Zadie looks a hot mess. She, she looked a little frumpy in her outfit. And so uh, Karen, as many mothers do, says something about her, although it feels like Karen is a little extra snarky about it. Like, like you could have tried or something, S- something to that effect. And I'm just like, it's like that mother-daughter relationship, but like this one is a little bit extra snarky and you want to get to the bottom of it. You want to understand, well, how close are Zadie and Karen? And then in that moment, you're feeling like, nah, they're not really close at all. Anyway, but Karen really likes Bradford. And so they have a warm embrace. And then Margot goes and greets Karen. And she says, thank you for inviting me here. Your, to your, your beautiful cottage or something like that. And Karen says, Bradford invited you. <laughs> so childish <laughs> and so rude, but like she don't care because she doesn't have to. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, so that's how that op- that scene opened. And then we cut to them getting acquainted um, in the cabin. Okay, so I did it again. I did it again. I took a break between recording and you know what happens when I tend to take breaks in the middle of recording. Episodes tend to stretch to two hours, three hours, and I'm not gonna do that. Um, Not on this episode. So, but that's okay because I think I've already laid the foundation quite flat, right? So the reality of it is this, we have this three ring circus between Margot, um, Bradford and Zadie and both Zadie and Margot are vying for Bradford's attention. And initially Bradford is like, Zadie, I'm off you. I'm with Margot. This is the love of my life. This is the woman I want to be with. And I just need you to respect that we're friends and I want to be friends with you. And I want you as a part of my life. And that sounds really wonderful, right? Sounds real great until you start to peel back the layers of the onion. And the very first peel of the onion we get is when the, the uh, beautiful Daniel played by Yolan, 
Uh, anyway, um, who's Aubrey in this movie? His name is Aubrey in this movie. Anyway, so Aubrey, with the introduction of Aubrey, now you have someone. Now it's not all eyes on Bradford. It's both Margot and Zadie looking at Aubrey. Although Margot and Zadie are looking at Aubrey for two different reasons. Zadie is like, mmm, a tasty little snack. I'm not, I'm single. And Margot's looking at um, Aubrey like, okay, finally somebody for Zadie because even beyond this trip, you get the sense that Margot was like, there's too much. It's not, a, it's not an issue of closeness. It's an issue of boundaries. And I will applaud Margot for keeping it. Will I applaud Margot? Yes and no. I, not everything requires a fight, right? Not everything is a four-long fire, right? Sometimes you need to choose, pick and choose your battles. And if your, if your long-time partner, because two years is, is, is long-term at this point. So if your long-term partner tells you we're going on a weekend getaway to with my best friend, to her mother's cottage in the, her mother and father's cottage in the in the in the countryside i would think that your initial reaction would be okay cool that's fine but then when you you get into the idea that i guess probably with sight unseen right sounds like an okay idea it's not my ideal situation but it sounds okay it doesn't sound like the worst thing in the whole wide world until you get to the point where you realize, oh, shoot, it's really just going to be the three of us. And, oh, shoot, I really don't vibe with your best friend. And also, I get the sense that your best, best friend still really digs you, right? So, and I know you see this too, so what are we doing here? Like, what is this? What kind of game are we playing at? This is me from Margot. This is me looking at Margot's perspective. So I could see why perhaps someone would still go on that cabin trip, that, that, that cottage trip, assuming the very best of their significant other, right? But then when you get there and you recognize it is what it is, where are the red flags? And I know that the red flags in this movie are going up for Margot. I know they're going up, but for me, she doesn't react soon enough, right? She is playing it real cool for too long, right? And she tries to it's, it's like that whole, again, it's like my aunt, or not my aunt, but uh, the lady from church, my, um, the, the head trustee at my church, you know, there are certain ways of acting. There are certain ways of handling situations. No, there aren't certain ways to handle a situation. If a situation is wrong, it's just wrong. And sometimes there's a, a, a battle is worth fighting, and sometimes it's not. And in this instance, I would think that that foot would have been put down a lot earlier, but maybe she has been trying for a while to spark some, the flame because what we learn from Margot and Bradford's situation is toward the, you know, as we get settled into this film, she's not silly. She understands that, she understands that Zadie still has feelings for Bradford, but she's not 100% sure if Bradford's, Bradford still has feelings for Zadie. And so she's trying to suss that thing out. And in the middle of her trying to suss that thing out, she's also trying to get Zadie, get some distance between her and Bradford, get some, get some distance between her, Bradford, 
and Zadie so that she and Bradford can rekindle something because they have not been intimate, we come to find. They have not been intimate for a while. And Margot is the one trying to rekindle this thing. She's using this weekend as an opportunity to, to spark the flame, right? And so she's really trying and she's like trying on two fronts, right? She's trying to be romantic with Bradford. She's also trying to push off um, Zadie to someone else and that someone else is the um, beautiful Daniel, right? So she pushes him off. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but go with me. Anyway, so she she does everything that she can throughout the this movie once we get to the weekend, right? To push um, Zadie to Aubrey. And so at the point at which Aubrey and Zadie get close is the exact point where Bradford becomes uncomfortable. And then we start to see what it really is. We start to really see this picture. So Zadie, for the first time in this whole thing, starts to move her attention towards Aubrey because number one, he's beautiful. It's your line. He's beautiful. But anyway, not only is he just a beautiful man, but the reality of it is he's by himself. He's not sweating her. He's just kind of out there doing his thing. Also, she knows that he was supposed to have come with someone, which leads her to believe that she, he's clearly not with, he's not in a relationship. Um, and so she's kind of drawn to him. Plus Karen is, her mama is pushing him, her toward him. Anyway, so so you got Karen pushing pushing Zadie toward him. You got Margot pushing Zadie toward him, and the fact that Zadie knows that Bradford Bradford has said up until this point, "We friends." Margot's my boo. I need you to respect that, right? I want us to still be friends. Now, again, why in the world she gave Bradford so much power over her life? can only be attributed to the fact that she thought that she was going to be able to get back with him at some point. I can only, I can only think that that was the reason why she agreed to number one, go on a weekend getaway as a third wheel to your mama's, your mama and daddy's bed and breakfast. Number one, number two, we see in the film that they going on picnics and having dinners and things together. And in the midst of, of Zadie acting like a teenager and doing everything to try to try to thwart Margot, this girl is still going. She's still going on this three-legged picnic where they laying on the countryside and Margot's laying in Bradford's lap and Bradford's just eating it up. She's still going out to have dinner outside under a tree, looking at the two of them staring into each other's eyes. She's still doing it, even though she's acting like a teenager and every time trying to get at Margot, right? And so I, we know that deep down inside, she knows that she's being childish, right? So talking about Zadie. So anyway, so with the introduction of Aubrey, Zadie has an opportunity to kind of free herself of this feeling of jealousy about a man that said he don't want her. To the point, so much so, and he's showing it by bringing his girlfriend of two years, right? So she understands the, the toxic nature, nature of her relationship with Bradford. But she doesn't want to let him go because that's her friend. That's her best friend. They, they've known each other since college. The, and, you know, again, I, I've shared, 
I changed a lot in college. Who I was in college is not who I am now, but like you meet a person in college, you meet a person in those formative years and you go through a lot because you're both going through a lot and you, you, you know, there's that relationship there. But again, just like what I said in last week's episode, length of time does not denote the value of your friendship. That just means you've known this person for a long time, but that doesn't mean that you've grown with this person over those many years that you've known them. And so anyway, so as Zadie gets closer to Aubrey and has opportunities to get to know him better, that's precisely when Bradford's true colors pop out. And so every time she gets closer to him, he's popping out. He's popping out of the shadows talking about, you don't know him. Why are you trying to go out with him? I saw y'all was outside in the moonlight. Like what? Like, ain't you here with your girlfriend? Where's Margo? Why don't you go find her and be outside in the moonlight with her? Like every, at every turn. And to Zadie's credit, she's calling him out every time he does this, right? Because it's, it is what it is. Deaf boy activity, right? It's, 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 it is what it is, right? She, she's not silly. She's just sprung still. She's not over him, but she's not dumb. And so she calls out the behavior and then he gets to the point where he does the same thing that every controlling person in our lives do. What do they do? When you try to expose them from the fraud that they are, they try to turn it on you and make you seem like you the fool, like you're the fraud. So in this instance, let me, let me just tell you what I mean. So there is a point where once again, Bradford corner Zadie to try to get her off of Aubrey, right? In terms of like, get her away from Aubrey. Talking about with some dumb accusation, like, oh, you don't really know him. Why, you know, he's all up over you. Like he was supposed to come here with somebody else, right? So like, what is this? Like, you don't even really know him like that. And in this moment, she's just like, well, I'm just trying to have some fun. And in that moment, Bradford Bradford says, oh, so I see what you're trying to do. I see what you're trying to do and it's not going to work. You're trying to make me jealous. How are you going to try to make a person who's in a relationship two years? How are you trying to make somebody who's in a relationship for two years with somebody else, a person who ain't you, how are you going to try to make them jealous? You got a girl. You got, you got somebody. What are you talking about? How the heck can I make you jealous when you got somebody and you told me to respect that? It's because you, we all know what it is. It's because you want to control her and you're actually not over her. And you're not over Zadie. Bradford is clearly not over Zadie in this moment. We know this. We know everybody, every thinking person up until this point has suspected that Bradford had a thing for Zadie. There was a reason why he was always coming up at the shadows, looking at, looking at, um, Aubrey sideways and it's because he still wanted Zadie right even though he was saying I really want Margot and so it is this is the reason why I like this film this is the only reason why I watch this film well not the only reason the reason I watch this film is I've already shared with you is because it's black cast black director but I'm drawn to this film which is getting great reviews because it's a good movie based on a really real life good premise which is sometimes people can be trash and sometimes you can find yourself in a trash relationship with someone that you have a real genuine connection with 
But y'all need to part ways. Y'all been needed to part ways. Been needed to part ways. And sometimes the people in our lives can, we all, though we grown, can be very childish and very possessive. And in this moment, we come to know because he just says it out in his own mouth. Bradford admits that he's still in love with Zadie. And the thing about it is, so you mean to tell me your childish behind decided that you were going to gaslight Zadie saying, oh no, you know what this is. We just friends and we ain't ever going to be more than friends. I'm with Margo. So you gaslight Zadie and then you drag her along because you want her there as a toy, right? And then you also gaslight Margo. Well, you string Margo on for real. So you're gaslighting Zadie, but you're stringing Margo on because you recognize Margo is a good person to have in your life. Margo is, you, y'all could have something for real, but you want to see how Zadie plays out. And it, it turns out that he says something in the film and he says something to the effect of, I guess I was just waiting for you to grow up a little bit so that he could go back to Zadie. Because what we know is Zadie is childish, right? She's not that she's childish. She just got, she's, she a little childish. She a little childish, but so is Bradford for, for waiting, for being in a whole relationship with, for two years with a woman that basically was a placeholder until he felt that Zadie would mature long enough. So he essentially, yeah, he, that's, that's what that is. And so we come to know this at the end of the film. And so for all of Zadie's flaws, she's not that messed up that she would ever string a person along and then string two people along in two different ways, all for your benefit. And in this moment, I can remember, I am reminded of a person, I think I've talked about him before, but it was a guy I knew in college Again, my college, there was a group of us, we were thick as thieves, and there's one person in particular. When I tell you this, this person did not enjoy being alone, could not be alone, I mean it. He was always with other people. He was always in an intimate relationship. He would get out of one intimate relationship and a couple of days later, he'd be in another one. And he would act like that other one didn't, that last one didn't happen, and that he's really in love with this other person. And not that he, it's like, it almost feels like Bradford is kind of like that guy, that guy that always kept that, that person. Cause it doesn't even, this isn't gender-based that person that always had to have somebody on their arm, always had to have somebody cuddled up next to them. And so they just, which is not the same. Let me, let me be clear. Cause I'm not trying to shade anybody who enjoys plural relationships that's not that's I'm not shading some I'm not shading a person who openly goes into a a polyamorous relationship and sets the boundaries with everybody that they're in a relationship with I'm not talking about y'all I'm not talking about y'all you can tune out I'm talking about the person who likes to keep a bunch of people on deck doesn't tell them about doesn't tell them their intentions with them doesn't say, does not identify that they're dating multiple people, does not identify their intentions in this one, this relationship, right? Whatever it is, doesn't identify their intentions to anybody, but keeps a bunch of people around as backups. And that's some messed up, that's, that's some next level stuff, right? That's some deep seated, 
there's some deep-seated issues that you're dealing with. And so Bradford is like the grown-up version of that guy that I remember. Now, the person that I'm talking about, married with kids and doing their thing, right? Now, I don't know any more about them beyond that, but I just remember looking at this person and thinking, you either don't like yourself very much, and so you don't want to be alone with yourself, or and you don't want to do the work to really be okay with who you are, or you just like to, you just like to, to possess people. And I didn't get this. I didn't think I caught, got the sense that he was possessive at that moment. I just think that he just didn't want to be alone, but I get the sense that if you don't check that behavior where you're always with somebody, you always get to have somebody, it could very well, especially with your ego. And again, I'm not a clinician. I'm I'm not a psychotherapist. I don't, this is just me talking. Um, but it could very well, if you, once your ego gets involved and you're unchecked, it could very well turn into this thing where now I got to possess somebody. Now I got to always have somebody, right? Because I don't want to be alone. It's about my ultimate comfort at the end of the day. And as a result, I'm not going to tell them that I'm just trying to keep somebody on deck until somebody else comes up. I'm just going to keep it on the low. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yes, there is a ton wrong with that. But in them and in, in some of their minds, they believe that, oh, it's not the worst thing in the whole wide world. You knew what this was. And that's what Bradford very much gives me. He gives me that that sense of, oh, well, Zadie, girl, I'm just you know, I'm more mature than you are. I am. You've always been the one for me. I just needed you to grow up. And so none of this. After we broke up, let's have a conversation as to why we broke up. Let's have a conversation in terms of do we want to try this again? And what would the circumstances need to be in order for us to try it again? None of that adult grown-up talk. Always just, let's just be friends. Let's just be friends, right? Knowing good and well that they should have been taking a break from each other, right? That's what would have been best for Zadie. That's why Zadie was partly the reason why Zadie wasn't able to move on. And I... That's real. That's real. Because people are trash. People are trash. And sometimes we do our own selves dirty because we are holding out hope that this particular situation is going to pan out differently than we know for a fact it's going to pan out. Right? So we do not act in our best interest. Um, we do not have that conversation with ourselves. We are not upfront and honest with ourselves or the people around us. And so we find ourselves two years later in a messed up situation that we should have been out of, right? And so, but yet, what I love about this film is not only does it expose the toxic relationship between the three of them, Margot, Bradford, and Zadie, but it resolves it. And it resolves it in the way that you expect the three of them part ways. And they part ways in a very interesting way. Um... And there's a moment that it's a, there's a sad moment, but nevertheless, there's going to be sadness when you come to realize that a person that you thought was your ace, a person that you thought really had your back, really was just trying to string you along and play with you and was not was not honest about their feelings towards someone else, was not honest about their feelings towards you. Um, and, you know, just just would not have get the spine to um to address the behavior in a way that made sense or to address the situation in a way that made sense so anyway the film is 
really, really good. There's also a piece in there um, between Margot and Zadie. And there is a there's a reason why Zadie's father isn't there. And we come to understand it. And we also come to understand a little bit more about Karen and Zadie's relationship. But I'll leave you to see that in the film itself, because, again, it's on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, it's uh, you, it actually it's on a different it's on a lot of different platforms, actually. I do recommend that you watch this. What we what I saw um, in between the break between when I uh, filmed the last segment and this one. Roger Ebert really liked it. A lot of folks really like this film. If you listen to critics, if that's the thing, sort of the thing that, that you're interested in, read folks' reviews. It's actually a really good film, even though I still think it's super corny. The reason why I really like it above most rom-coms is because this particular story kind of hit me pretty hard because I can't say that I've been in this particular situation, I think the closest I ever came was going on a trip, uh, um, going on a uh, three-legged date, and I was supposed to be booed up with this guy, but my so-called best friend at the time ended up being booed up with him at the end of it. That's the closest I can come to that, right? The three of us rode down to the to the movie theater together, and I was, it was some high school stuff, right? I was supposed to be, you know, sit next to him in the theater, and we supposed to hold hands and and kiss and all that stuff and boo up. And, um, nah, my so-called best friend switched places with me and she was ho- but booed up with him, holding hands, kissing in the theater. Helpful. That's why we're not friends today. Um, that's not why we're not friends, but that's one of the reasons. Um, anyway, but that's the closest I've ever come to this situation. Short of that, I've known folks who, like I said, the, the guy that I knew, um, kind of just keep people around mostly because he just didn't want to be by himself, which was unfair to some of the girls that he was with that really thought that he was into them, but it was more about him being into being in a relationship. And I know that that is kind of a universal thing. It knows no gender, that feeling. I know a lot of y'all know people who've been there. I know some of y'all are those people or have been those people at different times. Um, and you know, thank God for healing. Um, but anyway, yeah, this, this film is, is turned out to be better than I thought it was gonna be, even though I was initially watching it because it was a black film. I'm glad I watched it because it's a really good film. And plus, Yolanda is just so gorgeous. Anyway, um, so yeah, and it ends, in, it ends on a really cute note. So there's that. And so before I just keep going and tell you another story and go off on a tangent, I'm going to end it there. Um, yep, watch it. You can find it just about anywhere you can find uh, film streaming. Um, yeah, so... Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. If you have a feeling about this episode, what I've said about this um, movie, the movie itself, or the Tory Lanez, Meg the Stallion situation that... Who in the heck is Dre and Michelle, and why do I care? Like, I, I, the who is not really as important as... Why does she keep doing dumb stuff like this. Like, I, I understand that she has had some trouble with um, child care or at least child rearing, um, which is not me mother, uh, judging motherhood, but definitely her choices. Um, why in the heck would she say, what in the, why in the heck would she say other than the fact that she just wanted to get some attention? Why in the heck that she would, she, would she say that they had a Bobby and Whitney love? 
and that she wanted somebody to love her as much, um, so much that they would shoot her in the foot. Because again, that's the allegation. That's the allegation that's still swirling around that Tory Lane shot Meg the Stallion in the foot. Um, but again, uh, to my knowledge, he still has not been charged with, um, assault, assault with a de- deadly weapon. So what are we talking about here? This is very much conjecture speculation at this point, but like, why would she say that? Why would she say, what is the, what is the benefit other than I, I there can't be a benefit other than she knew it was going to go viral. She knew people were going to drag her, but that in that dragging that she would get a lot of attention. And then she would be able to put some, in, you know, put some eyes on whatever she was trying to do, right? Like, what else is the point of that? It's 2020, it's 2020, we, it's not cute anymore to romanticize bad, toxic relationships. And what's that, what's that, what's that one singer that, Lana, Alana, no, Lana, Lana Del Rey. She, apparently she makes a lot of, I'm going somewhere with this, but apparently she makes a, a lot of, um, fatal relationship songs or something like that. And people drag her for it. Um, anyway, um, why is there an obsession with bad, toxic relationships? There's nothing cute about that. Somebody shoots you. They don't love you. They want to possess you. If you're in a relationship, somebody that you're in a relationship with, if they shoot you, they do not love you. They want to possess you and you got to go. You got to be free from them restraining order and all like what are we talking about why was that something shame on her that's very reckless um and obviously y'all know especially the the folks the younger folks who are listening to me you already know there's nothing cute about someone who you're in an intimate relationship with being so wanting to harm you but still saying they love you very much that's domestic that's intimate partner violence that's what that is they don't love you. They want to possess you and they want to harm you. Please don't misunderstand that. And I know anybody listening to this show, y'all are smart. Y'all are super smart. So you know, you know better than that. But like, let's just call a spade a spade. Anyway, so we still don't know anything about Meg Thee Stallion and, and what, what exactly transpired between Meg Thee Stallion and Tory Lanez. But I am eager, eager to know. Um, like everybody else at this point. And I wish they would leave her alone in the process because... You know, I saw the dumbest comments of, of people calling her, um, again, talking negatively about trans folks. I always got to put down trans folks like they were not doing jack to you anyway. But putting down trans folks, calling Meg the Stallion um, a trans woman and she's cisgender. But again, you know how they do black women, because if they're not super dainty, um, and petite looking, then folks are intimidated, which I mean, y'all already know the, the routine. Look how they've been doing um, Venus and Serena for for decades at this point. Um, so, yeah, this is not new to us. Right. Um, I don't like Wendy Williams, but you know how they shade her. So anyway, um, I oh poor Meg. Ooh, pray for Meg, y'all um, send her love, send her thoughts and stuff because ooh, poor baby. Anyway, um, here I go rambling and see, we, we getting close. Okay. See, I'd be messing up anyway. Um, anyway, so next week, hopefully we know more about Meg Thee Stallion and, and what happened with Tory Lanez. And hopefully there are charges because at this point I'm surprised that there aren't assault charges brought up against him. Like, is it because witnesses are not cooperating? Because I don't get the sense that Meg's not cooperating. 
So what is it? I wonder what it is. I wonder what's, why aren't there criminal, why, why aren't there assault charges brought up against Tory Lanez or anybody at this point? It's been over a week now. Anyway, um, yeah, so I, I got off on a tangent, but yeah, so uh, thank you again for the person that gave me the one star because it's whatever. You took the time. Okay, fine. Um, if you want to give me five stars, though, I would appreciate that as well. Um, so thank you. And I think the only rating mechanism that I see is on, um, is on, um, spot, uh, not Spotify, but, um, Apple. So if you want to rate me, if you want to give me a positive rating, you got to go to Apple, um, and do that. So thank you in advance for all of you who do that. And if you want to leave me a comment with your positive rating, then that would be awesome too. Um, and if you want to donate, that would be cool too. All you have to do is click the show notes, um, and, donate. Um, you click the notes and it'll take you to a page, which is my anchor page. And there's a little button. Um, you, you can just donate right there. Even 99 cents would be a helpful contribution, but if donating isn't your thing, you can just leave me a message because there's a button there too. Um, and you can share this episode with somebody who really loves rom-coms and who's seen the movie or is about to see the movie. Um, or, any of my other episodes that I've, I've talked about. I watched the latest episode of I May Destroy You and I stand by, I stand by what I said about um, the friend relationship. I stand behind it. Come on. Anyway, it's still really great. Um, it's still really great. And I actually really love this last episode, y'all. Really love this last episode. And I can't, why do, can't quite put my finger on why I loved it so much. But anyway, I hope y'all are watching I May Destroy You. Anyway, because it's really good. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, if you want to rate me um, positively, you got to go um, to Apple and do it. So thank you in advance for doing that. Um, thank you in advance for listening to all the places where you listen. Um, like I said, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Um, podcast addict, Castbox, Pocket Cast, all the places, Player.fm, all the places where you listen. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, oh, I have a link in the show notes, and I keep sometimes I keep forget, I, I forget to mention the link that I'm going to put in the show notes, but I, I have a link in the show notes to a woman who's sale who's selling um, press on nails, but they're nude. Uh, she has a whole line that are nude press on nails for black folk, um, or people with browner skin. Um, so I encourage you to look at that. They're really, really pretty. If press on nails is your thing and you just want to try those, I think that would be great. Um, you should do it. I'm not getting paid for this. I just happened to look at, I was on black Twitter and I saw her Instagram, um, like a picture of her Instagram where she was sporting, she was sporting her press on nails. And I was like, that's so cute. And if I get the courage one day, I'm going to order some in my skin tone. And I still need to figure out exactly what my skin tone is, but maybe I'll just go by my Fenty makeup. Anyway, um, (laughs) I'll, I'll think I'll message her and ask her what, what my skin tone would be in her nails based on my makeup. So anyway, um, but yeah, you should, you should look out, uh, you know, you should, buy some nails from her and also um she has other nails don't get me wrong she has other types of nails that she offers but like she does the nude nails for for dark for brown folk um black and brown folk because you know she can anyway so yeah so support her if you please um anyway okay that's it
Um, thank you so much for listening to me ramble. Um, please go watch the weekend if you haven't already and have a wonderful morning, evening, afternoon, whatever time you're watching this, have a wonderful time. All right. Until next time.